Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Composite Mind, a podcast about creativity, inspiration, where we find it and how we hold on to it. Produced by Roughhouse Theatre and presented by me, Shane Morgan. Hello and welcome to episode three of The Composite Mind, a podcast about our creative lifestyle. This episode, I have the enormous pleasure of speaking to doctor, writer and broadcaster, Dr. Rada Modgill. Spending time with Dr. Rada is always an inspiring and uplifting experience. Her insights into both mental and physical health make for essential reading and listening. And our chat in this episode navigates her career in medicine, broadcasting, and also contains some potential spoilers if you haven't seen the film Moana. I'll catch you at the end, but in the meantime, enjoy episode three with our very special guest on The Composite Mind, the absolutely fabulous Dr. Rada Modgill. The first thing I wanted to ask you, and it's become a very loaded question, particularly after the last 12 months, but how are you? It is a good question, isn't it? I, yeah. I think probably in years before, we uh, we asked that we asked the question, but didn't really listen to the answer. We didn't really maybe answer uh, authentically, really. And that, that's not a surprise because there's been so much stigma historically around mental health and and speaking your truth um so i'm i'm actually doing okay i i i uh, over the last 12 months i have had some rough patches definitely um i think like everybody else and and definitely even you know sometimes even within days or within you know half a day mm-hmm. you know your emotions will be going up and down so i'm doing okay i think i'm i'm feeling better because spring is here you know i've always been someone who has not necessarily liked the winter in terms of the darkness i don't mind the cold i'll go out in any any temperature <laughs> but, but the darkness i think for me is a big thing and i and even you know in sort of august time my friends were laughing at me because i was talking to them about getting waterproof trousers and a head torch and they were like Rada it's August what are you talking about and I was like yeah but this winter is going to be really hard and actually I was trying to almost safeguard my ability to to do the things that kept me well which is going outside nature exercise so I'm actually doing okay now at spring I felt this big relief about two weeks ago where I thought oh thank you <laughs> how are you it's been a really interesting 12 months because as uh you know as someone who works in theatre we've had to completely look at what we do and how we do it with completely fresh eyes I've learned skills over the last 12 months that I never imagined and it was it has been a really interesting 12 months because one of our projects that were cancelled as a result of COVID we had to reframe and present in a different context and that that different context became an audio documentary so I had to very rapidly learn editing skills uh, recording skills how to format a documentary and it was our first attempt as a company and we ended up winning a hearts for the arts award for it um, wow, a couple of weeks ago and it, it, it but it's amazing that sense of 
I mean, I'm 47 now and you, you know, the old phrase dogs and new tricks and all the rest of it. It's, <laughs> yeah. But those, that ability, I, I think the, the thing that the last 12 months has taught us, or one of the things is how resilient and robust we can be if we suddenly put our mind to it. I, I was one of the many, I, I, I can't say that I've, I've baked a sourdough loaf, but I, I haven't I, either. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, probably, I I think I baked like 12 cupcakes from like a pre-prepared box like back in like last May and then that was it. <laughs> How did they turn out? Not, not good. They had crunchy icing and soggy uh, sponge. So oh, good. okay. Okay. Well, look, MasterChef may be <laughs> in the distance in your career, but, um, you know, it, at least it's a start. But I, I took to running as well, which is something I've never even considered doing. You know, the, 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 the Couch to 5K app completely completely turned my uh my view of how to get into uh, the world of running around and it was it was a remarkable turnaround so look as far as physical health and mental health as you quite rightly say there are days when it doesn't quite work for you there are good days there are bad days but I think it's helped by looking at where we are now and completely reframing reframing that so yeah it's worked for me and it's been it's been an interesting 12 months and I hope that a lot of it sticks and I think that's that's actually one of the questions I was going to um, ask you about the future as well once this has been resolved and once we have worked our way through what we're going through at the moment how important is it to you that we stick with those new things that we've found rather than that age-old phrase which I'm, I'm getting a little bit wary of oh I can't wait for to go back to normal uh, you know mm. we can't go backwards we can only look forwards obviously but how important is it to stick to those new ways that we've found of existing once this has been resolved and we've found our way through it yeah I, I think it's absolutely imperative and I, and I I I do hope that like you say you know we've been shown a lot of lessons some of the some of the lessons that we've been shown have been there for centuries decades and we've ignored them we've swept them under the carpet we haven't we we found a reason to not look at them For the last 12 months what it's done i feel is that it's, it's literally shoved all of those things right up you know in our faces to say look you can't ignore this anymore uh, you can't sweep it under the carpet you can't um forget about it you know you're, you're gonna have to deal with it and i think what what i really hope and i i think it will happen is that we do learn these these lessons we do learn you know about what mental health actually means about what you know, asking someone, are you okay, actually means and, and actually what well-being actually is, you know, not well-being is not just a couple of lines in a magazine article. It's not a shiny picture of someone not sweating while they're running. <laughs> it's, it's actually like, it's about daily choices, moment to moment choices. It's about resilient skills and supporting people to learn it, what works for them, what's in their toolbox of, of, of things they can pull out when they need to. It's about so much. It's about our work. It's about our community. It's about creativity. It's about the arts. It's about all of these things. It's not just what we've been looking at. So I think that's one big lesson, obviously in the environment, obviously inequality, discrimination, all the things that you know we we have known deep down in our society not right but we haven't really had to look at so i i think it's absolutely imperative that we learn these lessons we learn them for good any any lesson learning takes time any lesson learning takes two steps forward sometimes unfortunately one step back for us to remember what we need to learn and remember um and i think you know my sense is the next couple of years there's going to be this sort of tussle between the old and the new, um, and it's going to be kind of switching between those two. 
I think eventually the sort of the, the new will actually kind of come into its own um, and we'll start to actually embrace that and really remember it. But I, I think sometimes when I use the word learn, I think actually a lot of what we're doing or being asked to do is actually unlearning. So, you know, a lot of the things that are in our society at the moment are as a result of conditioning, societal expectations, um, us not really looking after our well-being, our mental health, emotional well-being, not really concentrating on community and connection. When actually when we were little, we knew all those things were really good for us. We knew that they were really important. So I almost feel like we're actually being asked to unlearn all of the conditioning that we've actually absorbed you know, through the years, but it, it you know, we, it, it's sometimes it takes time to learn lessons, but I think with this situation, we are actually being, we're being told, listen, you know, you have to learn this now. It's, it's really interesting that you use the word community, because that's a word that I'm embracing and constantly reading about and trying to understand, because we're, in, obviously, we're in a situation in which our community is becoming very fragmented, we're being pushed apart more and more, we're spending more time by ourselves, we're spending, obviously, as a result of the last 12 months, we're spending more time online without that face-to-face. -face. And that, that sense of community is getting, seems to be getting further and further away from us. So when I see those moments of communities finding ways of adapting to what they do online and those communities that are sharing and reaching out, it really, it does warm me. How how do we then transfer that once we are allowed to spend more time together? How do we transfer what we've found into how we then go about maintaining those community links without thinking, okay, well, we don't need to do that now. We can go back to how we were. Um, I think that's such a good point, actually. I think one of the things that is helpful to uh, really set in our systems is just how important community is. So to realise the importance of community is not just not just a word, you know, it's not just an empty word that, you know, we we kind of adopted when we wanted to do a, a Saturday night quiz or we were a bit bored at home after 12 months of being, <laughs> of being locked down. You know, um, I think recognising, just like with sleep, for example, we often ignore sleep. We think, oh, you know, sleep is just us lying there and we're not doing anything. We ignore it. We don't prioritise it. So I think actually understanding and really digging in deep in terms of our recognition that community is good for our well-being, it, it's the basis of our of part of our mental health, our self-esteem, our connection, how we feel supported, um, how we give to other people, and how we feel um, and purpose as well. So I think recognizing the importance of community for our well-being, and I, I think that's also important because then once we recognize that and that sort of switch gets triggered in our brains, we're going to prioritize it when we come out of this. I think in terms of uh, daily life, not using excuses like oh, I'm too busy. You know, it's the same thing when it comes. To to exercise it's like very easy to think oh a bit too tired you know that, that was for then you know it's, it's not a trend really but I, I think the other thing also is to recognize that you know community is is everything really it's you know what makes when you think about your daily life or, or what our daily life was like when you when you go out when you interact on the train the tube walking down to local shops driving wherever you live you know going into the, into the shops what what makes you feel good to me is people waving saying hello stopping and letting you go in your car you know um feeling like there's some sense of ownership over the local park and that actually the local park is safe for example so is these recognizing that these interactions that you have in your daily life are well-being the well-being is not just or mental health is not just a place you know you go to when there's a problem it's actually like i say my my real passion is to thread this 
sort of theme of mental health and emotional well-being through your entire life and community is very much part of that there's a tendency i think for us to forget quite easily but one of the things that is good about the last 12 months is that i think when you don't have something in your life you realize that you miss it and when you are in a situation that you are unhappy in or you're missing something it actually helps make it clearer for you about what you want so when we get what we don't want we actually hanker after or we get clearer about what we do want and i think the lack of social connection the lack of being able to be near people and to go to the theater and to music concerts and to you know the wherever locally in your community you're going to I think we really have been reminded about how much we need it. So I actually think the deficit of that this year will actually make people paradoxically want to engage more when we come out of it. What is it that you've held on to um, those creative outlets, maybe, you know, that you've returned home and you just think, you know, what? I've just got to switch off for a moment. I've got to listen to something or watch something. What is it that's really grabbed your attention or, or helped you do just that switch off? Mm, yeah. So for, for me, definitely nature, being outside is just like, that has been one of my absolute go-tos whenever I've been having a bit of a tough moment is mm. is to to go outside to to be in nature and when I talk about nature I'm not talking about huge fields you know kind of picturesque fields that are, are really beautiful I'm just talking about just literally being outside and going for a walk looking up at the sky seeing the birds um it just gives you a perspective I think it, it takes you out of yourself it gives you that kind of sense that things are going to be okay and even as we've remained very very stuck in this situation where it's felt like we're very stuck you know looking at the seasons changing nature is always changing and that's helped me feel like I'm something's moving forward there's hope I think nature really gives me hope um when I'm feeling a little bit down so nature being outside exercise like you <laughs> I was so I <laughs> I've always loved like team sports that was always my thing um I like normally regularly go to gym classes and do like group gym classes which I love and swimming but, you know, for me, when I was at school, I was very much a kind of like a sprinter, short distance, like 100 metres, bam, it's done. <laughs> you know, never, ever long distance. I used to hate long distance running, hate cross country. But this year I have run the furthest I have ever, ever, ever run. And that is not because I was setting a goal on that day. It was just because I needed to get that stress out of my body. I also needed to get away from my mind. And so for me, um, running, running with music, music has been incredible for me. So that combination of being outside with my music and running has been the sort of golden sort of triad, if you like, of, of the things that have really, really made me feel like I'm totally away from everything. And likewise, getting back into reading books, I love, I've got a really big imagination. I love reading books. I love audio books. I've always loved audio books, actually just going for a walk and listening to an audio book, for example. Um, I've really missed, I, I love theatre. I've really, really missed going to the theatre. So again, kind of getting involved online with watching productions that are out there, getting back in touch with my musicals, which I used to love listening to as a child and still as an adult, actually. Yeah. Um, so they're just a couple of things, really, that I've remembered. You know, and, and they're all the things that we, we used to love when we were little. So I think getting in touch with what bring, brought you joy when you were little actually still holds true when you're an adult. It's, it's absolutely true. There's an enormous comfort over that. There's always the danger of getting caught up in the nostalgia whirlpool of, of looking back and thinking, oh, it was all rosy and golden back then. But actually, there's a certain amount of truth to it because, yes, it can take you back to a period of time when you had no responsibilities, you were relatively new to the world, and everything was joyful. But there is something in sticking on a 
great compilation from the 1980s or digging out a mixtape. Oh, definitely. Now, now I'm <laughs> talking about a mixtape. But, um, you know, just <laughs> making a playlist of things, of just things that make you happy. There's an enormous amount to be said for uh, those elements of nostalgia. What if, and this is something that I'm asking everyone who, who comes on um, The Composite Mind. What are you reading, listening to and watching? You know, just some examples of those things that have really captured your imagination or or that book maybe that was sitting by your bedside for a couple of years that you finally picked up any examples of those yeah so i mean i um i've always loved reading sort of fantasy and totally getting away from reality i i when i when i'm in my spare time i don't want i don't want it to go near reality <laughs> so i i i love just being taken away into different worlds and um literally just so so i've actually started uh, reading the northern lights by uh, philip pullman which i absolutely love and that that trilogy and also the the prequel to that as well uh, which has dust. been great so his dark materials yeah exactly the book of dust so that's what i'm reading yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just oh yeah there you go there you go i love that and um but also i do i do also love reading again about people's life stories lessons that you know, they've learned through their life so I'm, I'm reading um uh michelle obama's becoming as well so i kind of dip and dip out whether or not i want a bit of imagination or whether or not i want a bit of life lessons um so people's stories human stories um so they're the things i'm reading at the moment when all of this happened back last March, I actually um, subscribed to Disney Plus, which is not something I would normally do. <laughs> not because I don't love animations and and all of those things creative, but um, I wouldn't normally have subscribed, but I did. And and that's been incredible in just terms of just forgetting everything. So one of my favorite things to watch, which really always makes me feel better is Moana. I absolutely love Moana, the animation. So they're just a couple of things really that I've been doing. Do you remember, um, the, first time, do you remember the first time you saw Moana? What 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 did it make you feel what was the what was the the moment that you thought oh okay this is a keeper so it's funny you asked me that because i actually went to see that on um new year's day a couple of years mm. ago a couple of things i like about it are the bright colors so just how it's so joyful the colors really light up the screen i think sometimes in film and a lot of film and tv series nowadays the colors are quite dark and quite gray so I loved that. I loved the story about self-empowerment, about how actually your power lies within you and about that whole idea about going on a journey. But also, I think more importantly, I think the when she restores the heart of the, I think it's the heart of the, the heart of the earth or the heart of the island the island you think is something which is really bad or evil or it's something that's there to destroy things but actually what you find out is that actually it's not that at all it's just been hurt and it's actually kind of quite sad and actually when you restore you give its heart back to it it's not destructive anymore so i think that also really resonates with me as well as obviously that the is it the, was it with the crab yeah. shiny <laughs> shiny that, that as well <laughs> so lots of different things but but I, I think for me those stories which a bit like maleficent where you you know it, it's gone beyond good and bad gone beyond um you know this is the villain this is the hero and it's actually much more realistic to life which is that we all have a story we all have things that have happened to us. And again, talking about community, using empathy and understanding to understand how someone's got to where they where they are actually is more helpful than labeling them a villain or pushing them away is also, I think, really a really mature thing that's happened in some of our cinemas. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that you just dropped Maleficent into the conversation there as well. You're a real fantasy person, aren't you? I, love <laughs> I really am. I really am. I really am. <laughs> 
Um, something that we are doing with this podcast is that we're asking everyone who comes on to name two pieces of music that really either uplifts them or inspires them because we're creating a a, um, a Spotify playlist uh, to go alongside the uh, the podcast as a whole. So if you had to think about two pieces of music that you do find either uplifting or inspiring or just gives you a bit of a, a, a cloud or also by the same token, one that really quietens your brain, what two mm. tracks would you choose um, to put on the playlist? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> my my musical tastes are really, really varied, actually. Um, but I think I think for me, definitely Florence the Machine, uh, Shake It Out, yeah. or Shake It Off. No, it's Shake It Out, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that one's totally different. That voice could wake the dead. I mean, she just packs a punch that rarely you hear these days. That's a great choice. And, and also, I think there's something in her music and the instrumentation as well, which literally, it takes you to another place. Her lyrics, there's something about the way she uses, you know, often her lyrics are about the moon, the stars, you know, there's just so much symbolism in there. I absolutely love Florence the Machine. So for that, that song for me literally just uh, lifts me up every single time that I need to be lifted up. Um, I think the other song for me is probably Coldplay, Fix You, which is, I think, uh, the reason I like that song is, again, it's about someone being there for someone else, about that 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 whole sentiment of connection and care and support and what that means. But also how actually... A lot of us spend our lives thinking, going going around thinking that we need to be fixed and there's something in inverted commas wrong with us, whereas mm. actually there is nothing wrong with us. It's just that a lot of the time we need to just um, recognise how incredible we are and actually give ourselves the care and attention we give other people. Let's just go back for a moment and I want to ask you about the beginnings of your thoughts in regards to medicine and why, why you wanted to go into that as an industry, as a career. What was it about working with other people or uh, the health industry that really captured your imagination as a young person? So I think I, I always enjoyed biology. I always enjoyed, and I, I still do enjoy learning how things work mm. um, and understanding um, what goes on, if you like, the, the, the machinery behind what you see on the surface. I, I like understanding. I've, I've got quite a curious mind. and I like learning. So I think that was probably part of it. And I think alongside that, I also love people. I like working with people. I'm very much a team player. I like um, bouncing off um, people's other, other people's ideas, for example. So I think that combination probably led me down the path of medicine. But also, I'm, I have always been someone who hasn't really ever wanted people to feel like they're alone. And I have always been someone who um, has wanted to help people. And even looking back in my school days now, when I think about sort of, you know, my friends, I probably was always someone who people went to when they needed a little bit of support or a little bit of um, talking to. So I think probably that combination probably led me down the path of medicine. And the re one of the reasons I ask is because uh, one of my other hats that I wear is as an actor and I spend a lot of time, well, I, I certainly did before COVID, working uh, with the NHS, particularly towards the Oscars and the and the um, and the, the exams, but also with you know third and fourth year students on communication skills and that sense of being able to communicate with just about any individual and not treat them as though they are all a collective, that each person is an individual and the importance of really honing in on what that person's needs actually are. When did you find, <laughs> when did you find out you were good at that? When was the, when was the, <laughs> you, thought, you know what, I, I like this 
uh, I like this moment where I get to communicate with someone who needs something and that inquiring mind really taps into finding out exactly what their needs are. When was the moment that you thought, actually, I, I mm. can do this. I really, I, I feel good about doing this. That's a great question. And actually, I, I do teach medical students as well. And I, I, I do do some sessions, like you say, with, with actors who do an incredible um, job, actually, in helping medical students learn how to communicate, how to read body language, all of those subtleties. Um, I think, yeah, that's a really good question. I don't necessarily think there was any particular one point. I, I, I think maybe, yeah, as, as a medical student, when I was starting to see patients and I was always very interested in, in their story, in, in kind of what led not not just about what they were coming in with in terms of symptoms, but also who they were, you know, what we call in, in our sort of medical school clerkings and doctors consultations, you know, sort of social history, where we ask someone, you know, what do you do? What's going on at home? You know, all those kind of things which actually really matter. So I think I've always been interested in human stories and people's stories and what's led them to where they are now. Because you know, I've always seen people as rounded, not just, you know, not just sort of in boxes, it, everything interrelates. So I've always been fascinated by how people's lives and life stories, I suppose, impact their health and their mental health and their physical health as well. So I think it was probably just when I started seeing patients, really getting a sense of empathy, connection, thinking, putting myself almost in their shoes and thinking, wow, you know, look what's happened to them. I wonder how they're feeling. I wonder what they're dealing with. And I think, I mean, it's the same with the art, the arts sector, writing. We we very much relate to stories because we we can see a part of ourselves in that other person's story. That's how, that's what empathy is based on, if you like. So I think for me, it was it was starting to see some of those patients and thinking to myself, "Wow, I can't even imagine what they've been through." Or if I try to imagine, what would they need? And I, and I think again. When it comes to sort of the, the broadcasting work that's probably also translatable into that aspect is that you almost kind of close your eyes you think about who's listening or who's watching and, and you think to yourself what do they need right now and what's going to be helpful for them yeah and i think empathy is the key it was interesting i um remember a session a couple of years ago i was working with a gp and and they said to me do you know what we actually do the same thing <laughs> it's I, true I I can't say that I've saved any lives, but but I understood, <laughs> I understood what they were saying, and I understood that that sense of li listening is absolutely it's, it's 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 almost like acting one hundred and one when you go to drama school or when you go to any sort of training is that listening is the key because you're responding to what you're being given, but also that sense of empathy and being able to think, do you know what I haven't experienced this myself, but if I did, how would I respond? And that really mm. opens up a lot of doors for you as far as communication is concerned. And I think, yeah. I mean, empathy is always something that I'm banging on about as far as what should be on everyone's Christmas list. <laughs> Definitely, 100%. <laughs> and you, you were talking about, you're talking a bit before about the sort of values. And I think, again, we've really been that words resonated for me over the last 12 months is values mm. and what do we value as a world what are our individual value systems and um, what do we value as individuals and 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 how do we value other people and how do we uh, let other people value or devalue us mm. and, and i think you know that word value sometimes that's seen as a very old-fashioned word but actually values are all of those things which are again key to our mental and emotional health, kindness, empathy, respect, like you say, all of those things which actually build a healthy society and, and help us be healthy as individuals are very much based in those things which unfortunately sometimes I feel are 
sort of sectioned off into oh well that's for primary school children or, or we need to teach children that so mm. no no that's for all of us to yeah. remember and all of us to learn all the time. <laughs> exactly yeah really yeah. healthy lesson all the time and I think the more you're willing to have those lessons played out to you I think that the healthier that is uh you mentioned broadcasting tell me about the leap into the world of broadcasting when did that first happen for you and when did uh when did you start to really focus on allowing your work as a medical professional and also as a broadcaster Mm. to run side by side so it was actually back in 2008 and it wasn't it wasn't anything intentional at all so um i was still doing my um hospital job at that point my hospital training before i was going to move into gp training and um my sister just my sister found a an advert in a hospital nearby where she lived which was for bbc3 program and i have absolutely no idea why she brought it back for me i have no idea because i you know at school i was i was a tree i was a statue in my school plays i i was you know i was i was never ever unfortunately because actually you know i, I definitely would have loved to have done more you know stuff in kind of acting and, mm. and music uh, but i probably had quite an academic school sort of um experience i suppose looking back on it now Anyway, she brought back this advert and said, oh, you know, why don't you have a go at this? And, and I said to her, well, I won't get that. Why have you brought it back? And she said, oh, you know, if you don't do it, I'll be really cross. I've brought it all the way back for you. And I was like, okay, fine. So so I I, I um, just sent off a, a sort of an email to them and then had a little sort of screen test for, for that BBC3 programme. And then they said, oh, we know we'd like you to come and and do this and then I absolutely loved it I really enjoyed it and um when I decide that I like something I I'm a bit all or nothing I kind of really go for it actually and 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 I I've often wondered why you know why I enjoy it and I think it's because it is very similar I suppose to well it's got elements of communication in it it's got elements of problem solving in it it's got elements of helping people in it it's got elements of human stories in it and it's got elements of creativity and coming up with ideas, which again, I absolutely love. Mm. So I think for those reasons, and I get to meet loads of people and really interesting people and I learn what they do and I learn from them. So I think that's why I, I love it. And like I say, when I decide I like something, I'm like, okay, I wonder if I could do it. And <laughs> I go for it. Your your resume now, as far as broadcasting is incredibly varied. Uh, I just, I want to talk to you very briefly about life hacks. I think that concept is absolutely genius. You've got 15 minutes. So it's a short burst of really energized, engaged conversation with uh, a few pointers, but it's it's really inspiring chat. That is a fabulous concept. And also it's 15 minutes. So it really plays to our shortening concentration span as well, rather than having a a, a lengthy three hour in-depth DNM, there's a real sense of, okay, we're going to give you uh, a few basics and then uh, away you go. How important are broadcasts like Life Hacks and uh, and and all the other all the other podcasts that you do as far as uh, trying to trying to re-engage our creative brain? Mm, um, really important. I, I think particularly Life Hacks and Radio One. I mean, Radio One. I'm forever grateful to Radio One because, again, you know, for for youth audiences and young people, they haven't got many places to go actually for for that kind of massive platform where they can actually get uh, people talking about mental and emotional health and but also just you know, life skills and things that actually affecting your life. There aren't many places that I can think of apart from 
uh, what Radio One um, actually offers. So, um, you know, like I say, I before Life Hacks, I did the surgery on Radio One, which again was a different format, but still really, really important. Is that you know, mental and emotional health is at the heart of it for young people. So. I think life hacks is brilliant because like you say it's got into that sort of shortened format it's punchy it's it's got the basics in it it's also got that really important thing about peer-to-peer advice and people not feeling feeling alone and reading out texts from people about what they've experienced so that people feel like they're part of a community and part of a group and that actually other people are feeling the same way too um but also fundamentally for me and whenever i'm doing anything i'm really aware of this is that and I get frustrated when I, you know, when I used to kind of read books, you know, um, you know in, in previous years where that there are words and, and words are helpful and reflections are helpful. But actually, you also need to then have the follow up, have the how to have the how do you actually do this? And, and, and again, I think it's that idea around, you know, you digest things, you process things, you reflect, you understand. And that's great because that, that to me is a little bit around perhaps more past. But what I'm interested in and what I think is also a really helpful add on and what Lifehacks does really well is, and what I try to do is to bring that, okay, understand it, but now what do you do about it? How can you change something? I'm really passionate about people being able to make positive changes in their life, whatever they look like, they'll be different for different people. But I'm very much like, where's the how to? And I think Lifehacks does that really, really well. And it gives people a starting point. And, And actually when people start on their journey then actually you've got the the momentum is there and they often end up carrying on if you've just got the kind of here's the problem Mm. then actually it doesn't really give people anywhere to go to don't you find that that is a big issue because we are becoming and you know there's a lot of i guess there's a lot of chat at the moment about where the blame for this lies whether it's uh whether it's talk radio or social media but we are becoming very much a society that relies on sound bites and headlines and you don't often get the how-to you just get the screamed headline or the flashed image and you know that's what's staying in people's brains and I, I think that's what's so important about something like life hacks is that not only do you get the the the, the concept but you also get the the method as well you know the methodology and I, I think that's really important how can we avoid how can this is a this is a big question how can we avoid the social media screaming and how mm. can we embrace the methodology of 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 how to in in moving forward particularly during this time when we have been more contained in our own four walls so i think it's about um recognizing the importance of problem solving so it's not just about stating what the issues are or the problems are um we we absolutely need to recognize what the issues are what the problems are we we, you know we can't solve them unless we know what they are (laughs) but then there comes a point where actually you know we get stuck in this in this sort of realm of well we're just talking about the problems and and that doesn't do anything that doesn't help that actually makes people feel worse and actually like you say in in certain kind of echo chambers that can actually make people feel really overwhelmed and actually can be really bad for their mental health so i think it's about recognizing that actually problem solving is what is going to bring solutions it's what's going to actually help us it's what's going to empower us i think again it's hard on sort of social media because again you've only got limited space to express what you're trying to express but I, I, I think the answer to that is, is that is, you know, it's here to stay. It's also a really good thing. It can help people. Mm. It can help people feel connected. I think the key to that is being open to listening to other people's opinions, being respectful of allowing people to say things and then responding from your own point of view, but responding 
in a respectful in a respectful factual way as opposed to i think it's that difference between reacting and responding reactions tend to come from a place of automatic snap judgment that tends to be very much led by um our initial emotion that's coming up in, in our systems as opposed to responding which is perhaps a bit more considered a bit more thoughtful you've taken a bit of a breath and then you end up responding in terms of what you actually want to put out there not as opposed to what actually is just coming out in terms of a reaction <laughs> who does that well as far as you're concerned who inspires you today who, who do you turn to that you think okay that's that's a really that's a really kind way of approaching things or that's a really uh that's a really considerate conversation or dialogue that they've just mm. had um, so for me, uh, James O'Brien, I think, does that really, really well on LBC. Um, I love listening to him. I think he's a really considered uh, broadcaster. He is respectful. He listens to people's opinions. He very much uh, gives responses based on facts, but also uh, listens and, and tries to understand. And also, um, you know, very crucially, uh, and I think he's written a, his latest book on this, is that he's not afraid to change his mind mm. and be open about that. And I think that's probably where the problems come is that um, we think that when we we form an opinion, that's it for life. And actually, if we if we track back on that opinion, then it, it says something about us that we were wrong or we failed or we feel ashamed of having that we've actually had to change our mind. Changing your mind is is actually how we evolve. It's how we grow, and it's also how we understand other people, and it's how the world and how humans will evolve. <laughs> if we just say rigidly stuck into this opinion that we've had maybe five, ten years ago, then we're negating the fact that we can change as human beings, mm. and um, and that's just that's not the reality of it. So it's, it's about having the courage to say, and we shouldn't need the courage because actually it should be a a thing that we're not ashamed of but we you know we end up feeling a little bit like we need courage to say hey you know what what i said wasn't right or maybe i've changed my mind or actually what you said i think actually you, you do have a point there it's about being right or wrong and that's very much to do with our ego as opposed to actually what's in the best interest for everyone was there someone like james o'brien for you when you were growing up that you also felt that you could turn to or, or, or were inspired by uh that's a really good question i think probably actually in my own family probably my mum has always been someone who has been very good at reflecting listening changing viewpoints bringing people together we've got quite a large family so <laughs> kind of bringing people together but I, I you know what i think at the end of the day i think you know when when there is any kind of um difference of opinion again you know you can agree to disagree there doesn't have to be a conflict it doesn't have to be an argument just because there's a disagreement or a difference doesn't mean that has to turn into an argument or something which is you know aggressive they're two very different things um and i think again what you were saying about earlier the importance of listening is also vital because you know in our world you know how many times have we when we were allowed to go out in a restaurant have we seen two people one is just talking at the other person, the other person's clearly not listening <laughs> and they're just talking at, at back at that other person yeah. or they're on their phones and they're not really listening and not really responding. So I think we have, we've gone a little bit backwards in terms of our ability to respect other people's opinions, listen to them, not see their opinion as an attack on us personally. Um, because that's the only way that actually anything can be reconciled and anything can be moved forward. How do you, uh, because I, I'm, I'm sure in, in your day-to-day -day life as a, as a medical practitioner and medical professional, you do come across people who just don't listen. How do you, how do you 
combat that? How do you, what are your tactics of, of skirting around someone who just simply doesn't want to hear the response that necessarily they, they probably need, but the, the response that they're given? How do you combat that? What are your tactics? So I think it's about trying to understand why they don't want to listen. You know, a lot of the time people are, are not just not listening because they're being uh, awkward. <laughs> they're not listening because there's a reason. And often that reason is actually fear. It might be fear of having to face up to something. It might be that they are in denial about something. It might be that uh, they're worried about something. If they if they hear it, then they've got to change something, for example, or what does that mean for them? So I think it's about trying to understand what, what are their fears, what are their worries and why how is that impacting on their ability to hear what you're saying and asking that question you know a lot of the times we feel sort of worried about asking people those kind of questions but we need to understand people we need to say you know is there anything that's making you not want to do that or is there anything you're worried about and I think once we understand people's fears or we try to understand people's fears we can then start to um, relay information that might help them reduce those fears in which case they're then going to start listening or that or they might listen but but also recognizing that you know we're all different and um we all hear things at different times when we're ready to hear things um you can't force someone to hear something or to listen and actually trying to force someone to to listen or to hear something is actually probably going to do the opposite of what you're trying to achieve <laughs> so i think recognizing that everyone has their different timings for being for being able to receive a certain message and that that's really important that's different for everybody and whether or not we it's like for example we were talking about books earlier you know there'll be a book that'll be lying on your bookshelf for years and years and years and people your friends will be like oh it's amazing you should read it but it will take a, a time for you to maybe buy that book and then even if you buy it it will take time for you to then read it so and then it'll take time for you to then digest it and then maybe put that into action so i think it's about recognizing that everyone's time comes in terms of when they're able to listen or receive something it's interesting isn't it because you just made me think the number of times someone has said to me oh you should watch this program yeah. and a lot of the time I I, I don't because I think well <laughs> everyone's telling me to do that so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah exactly right exactly right. I, I know I have missed out on so many good things simply because I've been so pig-headed and yeah and myself do you know what all of these people are saying I need to watch whatever I I'm not going to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and I it's regret true. those moments entirely but, um, but you know what I think also you know keeping an, op an open door I think is also really important yeah. so just because someone's not listening to what you're saying doesn't mean you shut the door on them right so you're Absolutely. you're you're keeping that door open for them to be able to come back and, and that is that is all of those things are definitely much more effective in terms of actually helping someone you know hear something or maybe make some change in their life that might help them but again what you think is I'm not necessarily talking about as a doctor here but you know what we think necessarily is going to be good for someone maybe not be, may not be that great for them as a friend, for example, you know, you can listen to friends advice, but actually at the end of the day, you know, it's that they don't know you as well as you know you. So listen, kind of choose your counsel wisely when it comes to friends, but also again, trust, your, trust yourself as well, I think is really important. Last thing I want to ask you, when we have worked our way through this, what are you looking forward to the most? What are you looking forward to either doing or, or where you're looking forward to going or seeing? What's your light at the end of the tunnel? Oh, wow. 
<laughs> so many things. <laughs> I think definitely for me, kind of going going somewhere on holiday. I'm not talking about abroad or wherever or anything specific. I'm talking about going on holiday with friends, lying in the sun together, listening to some music and just not worrying mm. about anything. And I think also I'm looking forward to the day when we can just walk around, be near people and again, not have to think about crossing the road or, you know, getting away from that person. Obviously we still do at the moment and that's really important, but I'm really looking forward to the day when actually, you know, we can not have to cross the road, like I say, when we're, when we're taking a walk and we have to get away from people. Well, there you have it. Episode three of The Composite Mind with our incredible guest, Dr. Rada Modgill. A huge thank you to Dr. Rada for joining me for that episode. You can find her choices of music alongside the choices of previous guests on the Composite Mind playlist. If you head over to Spotify, you can listen to it there or check our socials or the Roughhouse Theatre website for more details. You can also support the podcast by buying us a coffee if you head over to www.ko-fi.com forward slash the composite mind you can find out how you can support the podcast and the future production of it all the details about supporting us and future episodes and previous episodes can be found on the roughhouse theater website head over to www.roughhousetheatre.com thanks again for joining us for episode three and we'll see you next time on the composite mind <laughs> <laughs>